Thank you, choir. Y'all did wonderful. Thank you. Sorry, girl. It was Jake's fault. I would have sang the other song. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> I had two songs on the list tonight, and uh, Miss Brittany was going to sing one of them, but uh, we, we cut it back to one to one song because y'all will blame me if the service goes long, all right? And so we're just going to make it Jake's fault like we always do. And uh, anyhow, but uh, I sure am thankful that you're here tonight. And uh, do not, like I said, don't, don't let... Don't get out of here without speaking to Brother Wes and Miss Rachel and uh, let them know how much you appreciate them. And uh, we'll be looking at 2 Peter chapter number 1. If you're there, say amen. All right, praise the Lord. This is uh, Simon Peter is writing, and uh, this is his last, this is his swan song, if you will. This is the end of it. This is like Paul's 2 Timothy. Uh, this is him writing uh, as he is approaching his death. And uh, he knew the death that he would die, or the, the way that he would die, because Jesus revealed that to him over in John chapter number 21. And Jesus revealed to him that he would die as Jesus did. He was crucified. A uh, uh, quick little uh, note on that. Uh, Simon Peter uh, uh, begged not to be crucified as Jesus, and so he was crucified upside down. He felt not worthy to be crucified as the Lord. And so uh, anyhow, Simon Peter is very relevant. He's very prominent uh, 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 character in the New Testament. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, God did a lot of great things through Simon Peter. He had a lot of faults. Somebody say Amen. He denied Christ, and uh, we know that. And uh, by the way, one of the weeks that uh, we'll be dealing with around the e around Easter uh, will be uh, we will talk about Simon Peter and some of those things. But uh, Simon Peter denied Christ three times. Uh, I like in Scripture one of the places in Scripture the Bible says that uh, Jesus told Simon Peter that Satan had desired uh, uh, to have you and to sift you as wheat. And he says, "But I have prayed for thee." Jesus uh, speaking to Simon Peter. But I have prayed for thee. And he said, when thou art converted, he said, strengthen the brethren. And that's exactly what Simon Peter does right here in uh, uh, his writings in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He writes uh, to the area that Paul was forbidden to go to. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter number 16, uh, 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 Paul, uh, he had prayed and, and uh, he wanted to go. He, he assailed to go to Asia Minor. And uh, the Holy Spirit forbade him to go. And so then he wanted to go to Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit would not let him do that. The Spirit wouldn't let him go there. And so the Bible says that he had a vision from a man in Macedonia. And they set sail, went to Troas. And there in Troas, they picked up uh, the, uh, the writer Luke. And uh, Luke went with them. And of course, we have uh, uh, the travels of Paul written out in the book of Acts by Luke as he, got, as he joined the group there in Acts chapter number 16. Simon Peter was one of those guys that's a lot like us. Can I get a witness? And uh, he had a lot of issues, all right? Uh, I was going to do one of the things that I'm going to do in Easter the fourth week, that fourth, that last uh, uh, week of the series, we're going to start off with Simon Peter in the boat. And uh, I was talking to one of my friends, and uh, uh, Kirk, some of y'all met Kirk that went with me to Israel this year, or last year. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I was talking to Kirk, and the first thing out of Kirk's mouth is, he said, man, you ain't going to have no naked people in the church, are you? 
And, uh, you know, the Bible says that Simon Peter was out fishing and uh, he was naked, all right? And uh, anyhow, he said, you ain't going to have no naked people in it. I said, no, we're going to leave that part out, all right? And uh, Simon Peter will have clothes on. Is everybody with me? And, uh, and anyhow, I ain't got time to get it. That was just something funny. But anyhow, uh, Simon Peter is riding uh, to this area that, once again, that uh, um, uh, Paul was forbidden to go. I'm going to read chapter, I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1. Don't move where you're at. And uh, just to give you an idea of who he is writing to, the Bible says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so uh, he ministered in an area that would have been east of uh, Ephesus, and would have been uh, uh, northwest, if you will, of Jerusalem and of Israel, all right? And so uh, he is writing to this, uh, to this group of churches, to these people. And in 2 Peter chapter number 1, which is where we'll be tonight, we'll begin our reading in verse number 1, and I'll probably read down through verse number 15. I got five points, so we got to get to them pretty quickly, all right? So as we look at this, let's look, uh, read with me, if you will, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now you're going to see this knowledge of God, knowledge of Him, throughout these verses that we're going to be reading. And so uh, keep that thought in your head. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now that's just real good, so we're going to read it again, all right? I want you to read it with me. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, all right? Once again, look at this. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, verse number four, the Bible says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by what? These promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, I won't be preaching on this, but this corruption here, this word corruption, deals with what's on the inside. Later, he would talk about the pollution. Uh, and that is dealing with what was on the outside. And so in this verse, in verse number four, when he's writing to us and he's talking about this divine nature, he is talking about this divine nature when you get saved and that Adamic sin nature, that corrupt nature is dealt with. Is everybody with me? And so as we move on, he says in verse number five that we are to do some things. It is a, the assumption is made. He's preaching to the brethren. The assumption is made in verse number four and verse number three that we, that, that who he's speaking to is saved. All right. Which means they are of the faith, which means they have a foundation 
greater than any man could lay, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And so he has an understanding that they have faith, all right? And then he does, he, he starts to add to that. I want you to look in verse number five. He says, and besides this, giving all diligence, all right? I, I need you to understand this before we go any farther. This is our part. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? This is our part, all right? There's some things that God gives to us, and that's what we're going to preach on tonight. But there's some things that are our part. There's some things that you and I have to do. We're have to, we have to, besides this, he says, giving all diligence. He says that we're to add to your faith. We already have the assumption that you're saved. All right, I pray that you're saved in the building tonight. And so with this assumption that you're already saved, now he says some things need to take place in your life. All right, first, he says this, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge. Is everybody with me? And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Uh, go on. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Now we'll deal with some of those in here a little bit. So don't, don't worry if you don't understand uh, everything that you've read so far. Now verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay right there if you will, just for a few moments, because I want to explain something in this verse that you may not know. All right? This is, if you will, this is the evidence that these things are growing in you. This is the evidence that you have added these things. For if you added those seven things that we were supposed to add to our faith, for if these things be where? In you, not on you. I need somebody to help me. These things be in you, all right, and abound. They make that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful. So if these things have been added to your faith, then you won't be barren and you will be fruitful. Does everybody understand that? But barren here, believe it or not, does not mean what you and I would think it would mean as far as the word barren means. It literally means, the word barren, if you go and you look it up, that word that is translated in our Bible to barren actually means idle. And so if we were to read this thing and read something like this, that, it is that make you that ye shall neither be idle. Ooh, is everybody all right? Boy, we like idle in the church. I need somebody to help me. Oh, yeah, let's just come into the church and sit down and do nothing. I mean, come on, y'all help me now. Let's just go in there. We, we'll enjoy everybody else's uh, 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 knowledge and enjoy everybody else's teaching and enjoy everybody else's uh, preaching, enjoy everybody else's singing. But here the Bible says that if we have these things in us, we won't be idle. And the Bible says here, nor unfruitful. You know what unfruitful means? Barren. Believe it or not, it, uh, I, I looked it up. I mean, it's right there. It's, it literally means barren. And so that means that we'll bear fruit, right? And so let's move on. It says, nor unfruitful in the knowledge, once again, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number nine, we're moving on. But he that lacketh these things is blind. In other words, if, we don't, if we've not added these things, he says, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see where afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Mm. Let's move on, verse number 10. 
Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. Here we go again. Give diligence, something we're supposed to do. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. You know what? I, I, I mean, when you really get into this thing, what Simon Peter is telling them, that if you'll add to this, if you'll add in, uh, these things to your faith, he said, you won't be doubting your salvation. You won't be struggling with whether or not you're a Christian. If you do these things and add these things, he says, and if you do them, ye shall never fall. Let's go to verse number 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Simon Peter skipped right by the rapture. You know why? I, man, I found this interesting. Simon Peter, he was looking forward. He was looking towards the millennial kingdom. He was looking for the kingdom that Jesus would set up, an eternal kingdom. He wasn't looking for the rapture. I got to thinking in my mind, we're supposed to be looking forward to the rapture. But he had a word from, he had a word from the Lord that said he wasn't going to see the rapture. He was going to die. Man, I, I, man, that thing, I, is everybody all right? That thing just helped me. I don't know if it helped y'all or not. Y'all probably ain't thought about that. But anyhow, I was sitting there thinking to myself, man, what, he just going to skip right over to rapture. You know, Paul talked about God, the Lord returning, this, that, and the other. But Simon Peter, he was already beyond that. He said, hey, I already know what I'm going to die and how I'm going to die. I know I'm not going to see the rapture. So he says he went right on out there into that kingdom, that eternal kingdom. All right? Now, verse number 12. Look, look at that. Wherefore? I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Everybody look at me right here. You know what this preacher did? He, taught, he preached to them the same message over and over and over. Oh, is everybody all right? Hey, I'm going to put you in remembrance. I need somebody to hear me right here because everybody's looking for this new sermon. This great thing that we've never heard before. But what Simon Peter is trying to tell us is, is that he says, I'm not going to be negligent to continue always to remind you of these things, these basic things. Is everybody with me? Though you know them and be established in the present truth. He says, I know you know, but I, it's my job in these last days that I'm here on this earth to constantly remind you of the things that you already know. I told him in college last night, Solomon said it like this, there is nothing new under the sun. All right, verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle. Boy, this is a great verse too. Simon Peter viewed his body as a temporary dwelling. He says, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle. He was talking about his body. What he was saying was as long as I'm alive. All right, as long as the Lord allows me to be here to stir you up by putting you in, once again, remembrance. Verse number 14 and 15, and we'll be done. Knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Simon Peter said, as long as I'm here and as long as I'm alive, I'm going to continue to stir it up in you, to stir up your remembrance of the things that you know, the things that you know to be truth. And he says, and even when I'm gone, 
He says, I'm going to endeavor that you may be able, even after I'm dead and gone, to continue to always be reminded of these things. As we look at this, and we look at this passage of Scripture in just 15 verses right here, I looked at it, man, I, I got to read in there, and there's some things that God gives us for our spiritual growth. If you understand this, if you were to title 2 Peter chapter number 1, you would title it Spiritual Growth. He is giving a plan, a blueprint, if you will, a procedure, if you will, of how the Christian is to mature in their life. He tells us that we're to add seven things to our faith, and we'll go over them in a little bit, but these, these things I called graces, if you will. Matter of fact, now what did I title this thing? Miss Michelle, she ain't up there. All right, praise the Lord. Let me get over there. I titled this thing, Graces for Growth. Graces for growth. There's some things that God gives us that Simon Peter lays out in these 15 verses. There are, and I did five of them, but there's five graces that God gives us for our growth. And we're going to look at them tonight. I want you to first off look with me. I want you to see the power, the grace that God gives us here, the power that is given to us. I want you to look in verse number three. The Bible says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So the very first grace that we're given by God is this power that God given, gives to us. It is a divine power, the Bible says. It is, uh, it is His divine power that is given to us. It is a complete power. How many of you see that? The Bible says it's given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, what he's trying to say is there was nothing that was left out. All right, it is complete power. And then I need you to hear me right here. It is accessible power. How is it accessible, preacher? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. There's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but there's, fine, there's fewer and fewer people that actually know Him. Is everybody all right with me saying that? We are living in a day and time where people know about Jesus, but they don't truly know Him. And this power that's available to you and I is through the Holy Spirit and this power that's available to you and I so that we can grow and mature in our Christian walk. God has given it to us. It is accessible to us, but it is accessible through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and nothing else. We seek knowledge in everything else in the world. But how many of us spend all of our time seeking the knowledge of who Jesus really is? We see the power, this is a grace that is given to us for our spiritual walk, for our growth, for our maturity. There's a power that is given to us. Not only that, number two, there's the promises that are given to us. There's promises that are given to us. Matter of fact, Simon Peter calls it this in verse number four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. These great promises, I like them. They're large and imposing. I need somebody to help me. And the Bible says they're precious promises. That means they are valuable. How many of you know this, that you can have something large and it not be valuable? I need, is everybody all right? And you can have something valuable that isn't large. All right? You have a rock. It's large. Great big rock that's large, but it ain't very valuable. 
but you can have a little diamond on a woman's, I need somebody to help me, a little old diamond on a woman's finger, and it's very valuable, but it ain't very large, all right? And some of y'all ladies are, uh, y'all squeezing your husband right now and say, it needs to get bigger, all right? And, uh, I, but, uh, but really, it's the promises that are given to us. We, it, it's great and precious promises. You and I have promises that have been given to us, the promise of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. So we have a promise of eternal life. We have a promise of security in Christ. John chapter number 6 verse number 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Hallelujah. We have a promise, precious promise of security in Christ. We have a precious promise of rest in Christ. The Bible says this, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Precious promises. We have a promise of God's Word. Uh, Simon Peter writes to us in 1 Peter chapter number 1, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All right, and so we have these precious promises for God, these graces that are given to us. Do you realize that you and I operate in the promises of God? We can go back, and I ain't got time to do it tonight, but God is a covenantal God. He's a God of promises. You can go all the way through the Bible. Go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the old covenant that God made. We have the New Testament. This is the new covenant that God made through Jesus Christ, His Son. And so you and I, we operate off of not only this power that is given to us when we get saved, the Holy Spirit in us, but also these precious promises that are given to us us. And then I want you to notice as we get into this thing, the procedure that's given to us. This will be found in verse number five, and we'll begin reading, and we've already read this. If you was in Bible college last night, we went over some of this, but the procedure that's given. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Man, I told y'all last night, virtue is moral excellence, but it is also, if you go back uh, in, the, in the Roman times and what uh, Simon Peter would have been telling these churches, it also has to deal with courage. It has to deal with character. It has to deal with doing what you know to do. And there's a lot of people that have faith, but they've not taken the next step. And doing what they know to do. Is everybody all right? I'm going to have some fun right here. Is everybody okay? Uh, there's some things that you know from the Word of God that you're supposed to be doing that you ain't doing. And so you've not added virtue to your faith. You have faith, but no virtue. I need somebody to help me. And you come to church and you're seeking knowledge, but you don't get knowledge until you get virtue. Does everybody understand? See, the Bible doesn't say to add knowledge to your faith. Is everybody seeing that? It doesn't go back to faith. It doesn't say add virtue to your faith, then add knowledge to your faith, then add uh, uh, temperance to your faith, then add patience to your faith. It doesn't do that. If you'll notice, each one of them feeds off the other. It's a progression. And so we add to our faith, first off, we're to add virtue, and that's doing what we know to do. That is, that is moral excellency. That is integrity. That is character. Is everybody right? 
I'm to do what I know to do. I'm to do what I know the Scripture tells me to do. The very first thing that I know when you got saved, the very first thing that you know that the Scripture told you to do was to be a witness. Tell me it ain't right. Uh-huh. Now the question is, are you? The question is, are you? Well, preacher, I, you know, it, it's hard. I can't, I can't talk about Jesus at, my, at my, my job site. You talk about everything else at your job site. Well, my bosses, they'll, they'll fire me if I talk about Jesus. I doubt it. Everybody, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad. I, I, I doubt it. The truth is, is that we all know there's some things that we're supposed to be doing, but we don't do them. But yet we come to church, we get into every class that's available to us, and we want all the knowledge that we can get. But what good is knowledge if there's not doing what you know to do? Right? I, I, I've used this illustration before when I worked at the chemical plant. Uh, man, we had an accident out there, and somebody stuck their hand up into a machine and got their finger cut off. Everybody look at me. And when we get to look at the thing and we're doing all this stuff, there's a, there's, there, the, Brother Jeremy, there's a sticker right there. The guy's face would have been right there by the sticker that says, do not stick your hand up in... Is everybody all right? What good is knowledge? If you won't do what you know to do. And so we must learn first off to do what we know to do. And since we know there's some things that we're supposed to do, I ask you this question, and we probably ought to go ahead and have an altar call right now, but are you doing what you know to do? Because if you're doing, not doing what you know to do, then you're not growing spiritually. You're not maturing spiritually. Amen. We live in a day and time where Christianity is nothing more than a ticket to get yourself into heaven. And that, hey, praise the Lord, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I, I mean, I even hear the song, I'm not going to hell. I ain't, I'm praise the Lord for it, amen. But that ain't all God saved us for. And all God saved us for is for us to go to heaven. We'd all been, mm, the minute we got saved, we'd have been out of here. Now it's time for us to grow spiritually and do the things that we know to do. That's virtue. And once we add virtue to our faith, then we add knowledge. And as we add knowledge, then we apply virtue, right? The more knowledge we get of what we're supposed to do, the more we, we do what we're obedience. Everybody all right? I'm having fun. Then we go to, we get to knowledge, and man, we start adding knowledge, and then all of a sudden we get to temperance. Whoop! Everybody all right? Let me help you out with what temperance means. It means self-control. That means I know what I'm about to do is wrong, so I ain't going to do it. Amen. Praise God. How many, come on now, how many of you done something today that you knew you wasn't supposed to? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Let me go ahead and put a disclaimer on it. You knew you wasn't supposed to do it, but you did it. Because there's no temperance there. There's no self-control. You know you're not supposed to do it. But yet, you do it. Now before you get all, I know some of y'all are all upset right now. And you're like, man, this thing is hard. It was hard for Paul too. Paul said those things that I'll, I would do. I find myself not doing. And he says those things that I wouldn't do. Wouldn't you know it. I find myself doing it. 
All right? What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying what Paul was teaching us is there is a war that's going on inside of us. The spirit warreth against the flesh. And as we mature, temperance, we start mm, self-control. We start, the, the spirit starts winning against the flesh. If we are, if we've added virtue, obedience, doing what we know to do, and we're adding knowledge, right? Everybody, mm, we're growing, we're growing. And so we add virtue to uh, uh, faith. We add knowledge to virtue. We add temperance to knowledge. We add patience. Lord, hell, everybody say, oh, man. But this ain't the patience you're thinking of. This patience is endurance through trial. We have endurance through trial, through knowledge, through self-control. I like this, man. I, man, I, I was getting some help out of this thing as I was studying it because, you know, it, this word patience here has, it, it has a meaning of enduring through trials. How do we endure through, through trials? It's from the knowledge that we have of Him. We know mm, from His promises that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So when I'm going through the middle of a trial, it ain't the time to quit on God. It ain't the time to walk out on God. Why? This patience that's been building up, it's been building up through experiences that I've had over and over again in my life and I have proved God to be true. His word is true and when He says He won't leave me, when He says He'll protect me, when He says He's a strong tower, when it says He's a refuge that I can run to, when it says that I can hide under, I found it to be true. God is not a liar. As I go through these things, this, this patience I'm building, it's building. This is done through experiences, but it's endurance. And then we get to godliness. And you know what godliness means? To be like God. To be like God. Now, I don't mean that in any negative way whatsoever or any kind of highfalutin or prideful way whatsoever, but the Bible tells us that we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. This is godliness. Mm -hmm. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? When we, when we look in the mirror, who do you, who do you see? Say, preacher, I see an old face. Well, hey, we, we, we might need to start changing that. We might need to add virtue to our faith. We might need to, is everybody right? Knowledge to our virtue, temperance to our knowledge, right? Because as we progress and as we grow spiritually, we ought to look more like him than we do like us. I want to be more like Him. You don't want me to be more. I need somebody to help me. You don't want me to be more like me. And I'm just going to go ahead and help y'all. I don't want you to be any more like you than you are. Amen. I'm going to be like Him. That's what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be conformed to His image. And these things, if I'll practice them in my life, these procedures that are given to me, then I will begin to be more like Christ. It's godliness. Then the godliness, I'm to add brotherly kindness. You know a good, you know a good way to say that? Love the brethren. Preferring the brethren. And affection for the brethren. But we live in a day and time in the Church of America now, they don't want to come to church. 
They don't want to. They're preacher. Why do we got to come to church? We got to sit there. Preacher, you, our services run an hour and a half. They are so long. I need somebody to help me. And you'll sit out there and watch the band play at a football game. I need somebody to help me. Who watches the band play anyhow? I can go to a football game to watch the band play. And y'all sit out there and watch the band play. And like it ain't nothing always is the greatest. The bridgemen are the greatest thing in the world. No, they ain't. Get out of here. I need somebody to help. Is everybody all right? I know I made some of y'all mad. Some of y'all want to leave the church right now because I'm talking about I'm talking about something that you like and you enjoy and you'll sit out there in the cold, you'll sit out there in the rain, you'll sit out there no matter what's going on and then complain about sitting on a four-inch cushion chair in an air-conditioned building hearing about God. I'm about right. I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? Preacher, we got something to do on Sunday. We ain't gonna be here. We got we got to go. We got, and then you're posting pictures and y'all out there on the lake and you're out there doing everything else in the world. You, mm, I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? Man, I preach it an hour and a half. It's just a long time to sit. You'll sit in a tree stand for four hours. Mm, I know what I'm talking about, and you won't even see a deer because you ain't a good hunter. Praise God, at least I'll sit out there. Hey, tell them, Dalton, I killed, a, I killed a nice buck this year. I wasn't in the stand 15 minutes. Tell them, Michelle. I just walked out there. I told Michelle, I said, I'm going to go kill a deer. I walked out there, grabbed, jumped up in the stand, and killed a big old eight point. 15 minutes, Brother Johnny. You know why? Because I'm a good hunter. I'm just saying, Jesse, I... I wasn't, I wasn't messing with Jesse. That happens tomorrow because me and Jesse. But, but we, we, we complain about these things and act like it's just so long and it's so overbearing and everything else, but it is the church. And the church, God has given the church gifts that edify the body of Christ. It's not just the preaching that helps you. I need somebody to hear me. It's not just the preaching that helps you. It's not just the Word of God that helps you, which I'm thankful for the Word of God, but you need to understand this. God has put gifts and people in here that edify the church body, and they help you, and you need that fellowship. Listen here. I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I'll walk on from it, all right? But if you have a hard time coming to church and you ain't enjoying being around the brethren, there's something wrong. If you say if, if you're saved, you definitely aren't mature. Because according to the Bible, we're to add this brotherly kindness. And then we're to add to brotherly kindness, charity. You know what charity is? It's love, yes, but this is a particular love. This word is agape. It's a godly love. It's a love of God. It's, it's a love, I, I, if I could say it, and I... I <clears throat> This is how the Lord give it to me, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. This is a love for those outside the church. Greater love has no man than this. And a man lay down his life for his friend. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I need you to hear me and hear me well. You and I are living our life while people around us are dying and going to hell. The real reason that you and I won't witness because we don't love them like 
we don't love them. My God. Hey, preacher, they bad people. I'm going to go ahead. I, hey, look up here. I was one of them. You wouldn't have, y'all wouldn't have liked me at all. I promise you, you wouldn't have liked me. So God loves me. God loves me. And he loves all them ones out there that y'all think are bad, bad too, all right? So there's a procedure that's given to us. It's the grace that's given to us. God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow spiritually. And so he gives us power through the Holy Spirit. He gives us precious promises. He gives us a procedure. This is something that you and I can follow. It says, did, did, did everybody get that in verse number five? In verse number five, it says, and besides this, giving all diligence. He's saying, work at it. He's giving us a procedure. It's a grace. It's a gift that's given to us. Number four and number five, and I'm done. He's not only given us power through the Holy Spirit. He's given us uh, 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 precious promises. He's given us a procedure, but he's also given us preachers. Mm -hmm. He's given us preachers. Uh, these are persistent men. I want you to look with me, if you will, in verse number 12. Go to verse number 12. It says, Where, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Keep on going to the next verse. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. God has given to us and graced us with preachers. Men that are faithful and that will stand up and say, I'm not going to be negligent in the purpose that God has given to me, in the calling that God has given to me, I'm going to stand flat-footed and I'm going to remind you over and over and over again, I'm going to put you in remembrance and I'm going to stir you up to do what God's Word tells us to do. You know your preacher's a gift? Oh, I, I, you ain't got to like it. I'm thankful for a preacher. I'm thankful for a preacher that was faithful. I'm thankful for a preacher. I, I, me and him don't, me and him don't jihad on a lot of things, and me and him ain't very close at all. But I'm tell you something. I'm thankful for a man of God that stood up Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, when I was in sin, when I was doing bad, when and preached to me the truth over and over again. He did not slack in his uh, uh, purpose or in his calling, but over and over again, he stirred me, he challenged me, he brought me through God's Word under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to a challenge or a change in my life. That's a gift from God. I don't think we understand that. We're looking for churches and we're looking for preachers that's going to tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear. It's going to preach something watered down and soften it up where it doesn't hurt so bad. But I need to be challenged. I need somebody to listen to step on my toes. Matter of fact, every now and then I need the just in case I ain't getting it subtly. God give us preachers, persistent men, men that provoke us. I don't mean that in a negative way, but they stir us, it says, but provoke us 
to do God's will, to seek God's will, to mature. And then lastly, the precepts given us. I'm done, Brother Matt. Look at verse number 14 and 15. The Bible says, moreover, I will, or knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has chosen. Verse number 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. I'm looking at that thing in my Man, I, I, I was having me a time study. Simon Peter says, I'm going to leave a legacy. I mean, he, he dies. What is he leaving him? Is there a Timothy? Like Paul. Paul had a Timothy. Is there a Timothy? Is there a Titus? What, what, what am I missing? With Simon Peter. Simon Peter left him a word. He left him a word. He says, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease, he's dead and gone, to have these things always in remembrance. Uh -huh. I can open my Bible tomorrow that Simon Peter, because of his work, endeavor that I may be able have these things always in my you know how much of a gift this is? You know how much a gift this is? How much of a gift this is? We neglect this. I need somebody to help me. We neglect it. You'll get up tomorrow morning. First thing you'll grab. First thing you'll grab. Up on Facebook, make sure you get this notification overnight. Like you see, right? Them out. Oh, yeah. You'll plug, I need somebody to help me. You'll plug this thing in every single night because you're scared to death to wake up tomorrow morning with nobody. You take care of it. Put a protective case on it. Put something over it, make sure it don't get scratched up. Come on, y'all help. Won't leave home without it. I mean, if you get in your truck, my old truck, Dalton, Dalton has it now, my old truck, it'd say, there's no phone connected. Before I got out of the driveway, I'd turn around and go back and get my phone. Without it. Man, if you lose this thing, your heart goes to beating. That's a thousand dollars laying around somewhere. Somebody, I need somebody to help. That's a thousand dollars laying around somewhere, and I got to be able to get in touch with somebody if something's gone wrong in my life. Oh, preacher, I got the Bible on my phone. Okay. Okay. Hey, I've been there. 
Hey, get in there. Like, I'm gonna read the Bible. Get through that first verse. Ding, 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 ding. Start getting notifications. Over at in Israel, I don't know. If first trip, the second, second trip there. Same. We went where they had the synagogue. My little old mind always South Georgia. Round church is always told, man, this is it. This is all. This is the way it was done everywhere. I thought, that man, in the synagogue, there'd be a pulpit. Preacher gonna stand up there with a microphone. I need somebody to help me just preach. I don't know if it was a guide. I don't know. I, I don't even remember where, where or how it hit. But those people would come together in them synagogues for one person. They didn't have it in their homes. They didn't carry it around in their pockets. They gather around and go into them synagogues because that was the only place that could do the word. That's when I've got them laying all over the house. You might even have two or three of them in the car. You got Bible, you ain't never even opened. grow spiritually. God's given us some graces, things to help us. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us precious promises. He's given us a procedure to work for. He's worked with all diligence. He's given us preachers. He's given us precepts. He's given us His Word. What are you neglecting? What gifts are you neglecting? God bowed with me. Find your way around an altar tonight. What areas of your life what do you need to add? You need to add to your faith? You need to add virtue? You need to add knowledge to your virtue? You need to add temperance to your knowledge? You need to add patience to your temperance? God, I thank you for the time that we can gather together. Lord, and I pray grow. I pray that, Lord, we grow spiritually. I know it may be a small step for some, maybe a large step for others. God, may we work diligently to grow spiritually, to look more like you, to sound more like you. God, I thank you for our church, for what you're doing in it. Lord, you didn't save us, just kick it out of hell into heaven. 
can now do our part. Going to the rim. Working your calling. Your purpose for our lives. Your will for our lives. We become better Christians. Growing. Maturing. Lord, I thank you for our missionaries. Thank you for him and his wife and their sacrifice and their dedication. Go into a country. Give the gospel. Far more danger. Lord, I pray for the hidden protection around them. Pray favor, Lord, in the ministry. I pray favor. Lord, as they raise revenue of money, God, for the projects that they have going on, God, I pray that you put them in the right places, the right people. Go in favor, safe. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd allow us to be a part of what they're doing. I love you. I thank you for what you did tonight, what you're doing. You're doing the life of those here in our church. And I pray you be honored and glorified in everything that we do. In 